0: All right. Well, good morning, and welcome to episode two of Rocks, Roots, and Ruts. I am Chris Elmore. I am your host. It's episode two, and we actually have a guest this time. We've got uh, someone that I've been watching on YouTube for a while, who is an ultra runner and has done at least 20 different ultras, from 100 milers to 50 Ks and 50 milers. So it's going to be really exciting to talk to him, but. First, before I uh, get into that, I have a couple of announcements. One, for those of you who bought shirts, those shirts are here at my house. As far as the raw shirts, I am taking those and I'm about to put those uh, or take those to the printer. We're going to get that printing process going and uh, have those shipped out hopefully very shortly. Uh, other cool news. Uh, I... I mentioned before I'm a Head Sweat's ambassador, and I just received some cool product from them, so I figured I'd give them a shout out. Uh, one of the hats I always wear, which is the uh, the different Head Sweats hats, um, you always see a variety of those. I've already got, I've always got a bunch of different ones. I got my uh, packet from them yesterday, which is very cool. As an ambassador, they sent me a new, some cool hat hats here as well as a bunch of stickers, an ambassador jersey. Uh, so if you guys like the Head Sweats products, you can go to headsweats.com, and with CJ25, you're going to receive 25% off all of your purchases. But I have set this up as a podcast, one other thing, so hopefully I will let you guys know when it becomes available. It takes... Could take up to three weeks, Apple says, for it to actually become available as a podcast to be downloaded through iTunes and things like that. Out, trail run. Good morning, Terry.
1: Good morning, good to see you.
0: Yeah, I'm adjusting your video here a little bit. We had, I apologize for the delay. We had a couple of difficulties getting Skype connected, this being our first episode, but it appears that everything is working at the moment. So, Uh, Terry is someone that I met when uh, I really kind of started getting into YouTube and had been following different folks. And he is someone who uh, just, it seemed about the same time that I started posting, you started reposting um, your training. It it looked like you had taken a break because you had a race last year. I believe it was Western States. And then from there, you kind of started posting again. And it was, I almost felt it was similar in the sense that you started posting it with this, uh, idea of, Hey, I need to get back in shape. I'm going to run another race. Uh, and that was kind of where I was coming from in that I had been working on the house and I was out of shape and now, Hey, this is kind of my comeback, uh, comeback story and training for my first ultra. Is that the case? You know, it
1: kind of was, as you know, I just got off of Western States from the previous cycle and I was having a little bit of motivation issues getting back into running and I was kind of starting from scratch. I hadn't run one step in, in over four months. And so when I went back onto YouTube, it it was almost starting from scratch.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, which is essentially where I was at, right? I was starting from scratch in the sense that I had taken a pretty decent break But what was interesting for me is I didn't realize, you know, at the time I thought you had done Western States. And then recently I started to realize that you were way more experienced than just doing Western States one time. You had done um, a lot more than that, which then I found really interesting because I realized, you know, obviously you were giving advice on there and I was watching things about, you know, you running in the snow. And one thing I'll say is Terry's in Minnesota. Where exactly in Minnesota are you at?
1: Well, we're on the western edge of Minnesota about – give or take four hours south of the Canadian border.
0: <laughs> so what that means is uh, when I see his videos, that means he is always out there in the snow at this point, which is uh, brutal because I, I get to run in the snow maybe two weeks out of the year in Vermont, and it's fun for me, and you know it's, it's something different. Uh, hats off to you. I can't imagine training in that day in and day out just uh, the whole winter. And this winter especially, it looks like uh, you just posted a video where you actually were crawling through a snow tunnel.
1: Yes, that was actually on a, a trail. I didn't even know it existed, but it's a staircase that goes up the side of a bluff, and enough snow had drifted over this snow case, or staircase where people actually, instead of shoveling it off the stairs, they just burrowed through it, and it created this 25-foot-long tunnel
0: through the snow. So that was kind of fun. Wow. Well, let's start back at the beginning, I guess. Uh, if you don't mind, can we share your age? Sure. I am 48 years old. Yeah, I saw your one of your last races, which last year was 47. So you're 48. I'm 42. And what I found interesting as I went through your ultra results is it looked like at least from Ultra Signup, you kind of started, at least that part, you know, doing ultras around 42 maybe or so. Is that right? There was a marathon in there, or maybe you were doing other races before?
1: Nope, I had kind of experimented with short course triathlons for a little bit, just the sprint distance, and my limiter for the triathlon was running and we had a local running group in town and I kind of latched on with them to start running in order to improve my triathlon time. And it quickly became apparent that running was my true love. And I just naturally gravitated towards that, especially having a a really good solid core group of friends to run with every day.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's interesting because uh, it's similar in the sense that Running was my weakness when I started triathlon 12 years ago or so, more than that, 14 years ago. And, you know, I hadn't really run more than a mile, you know, before that, just in high school, if I had to, I was a swimmer. So I realized when my daughter was born and I was going to step away from Ironman that um, I always want to go back to that at some point and and race. Maybe I always say when I hit the 45 year age group, um, I'll go back and do it. But I knew if I was going to do it, the most the biggest improvement I could have on my time would be the run. You know, I could put in a ton of effort and ride a mile per hour faster on the bike. Um, but overall, that's a very short period compared to the run in the sense that how much, you know, if you can run a little faster in the run, you can really gain a lot of time. So that's really when I transitioned to running as well. So now, had you been an athlete prior that or in high school or college or any any running history?
1: No, I didn't run in college at all. Um, I did run a little bit in my high school years. I I ran ninth grade track. I was a a half miler. I think my best time was a 205, but I only ran for that freshman year. And then I had some life events that kind of got in the way and, and I played some football and, and never really picked up track again. I would run some 5k fun races with my dad. And I guess the one thing that looking back, probably shaped where I'm at now is one thing I would do is grab a buddy and we would just go out and run railroad tracks or logging trails or, you know, gravel pit piles just for fun. And, and that was probably the the start of the love of running. And I think I lost that and forgot about it somewhere along the way through the years, you know, and it was, it was later in life when when my kids were older and I was more established in my career where I had more time to kind of get back into recreational hobbies And that's where triathlon started and and then running more.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was similar. I got into triathlon before I had kids, um, but I got into triathlon to try and lose um, weight and get back into shape after really working for about 10 years or so. And I needed something to kind of motivate me. I was going to the gym, things like that. And then I realized that uh, I, I enjoyed triathlon and I was kind of doing all the things that were in a triathlon and that's kind of where I ended up uh, ended up finding triathlon and, and moving into it. But once I had kids, again, it's a lot harder for me at this point to train for a five-hour bike ride. Um, as much as uh, my wife is extremely understanding of what I do and my, uh, she would say I'm crazy, five hours on a Saturday, six hours on a Saturday being gone is a little much. And, you know, if I can do a three-hour stint at 7 in the morning, and it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to run in the dark than necessarily train for a triathlon in the dark. So not that it can't be done. I used to do it, but, um, running is certainly easier in my opinion. Now, how many, it looks like you've done about 10 hundred milers. And then, uh, how did you pick, I guess, from doing some triathlons? Were you doing, what distance triathlons were you doing?
1: They were just a sprint. So generally, uh, you know, 800 meter swims, uh, 17 to 20 mile bikes, and then be a three to five K distance real, real short courses
0: okay and then it looked like i don't know maybe there was a progression up but the first thing i saw was a marathon and then like 50ks and and i'm amazed at the amount of in five years i guess the amount of racing you have actually done you know when i think about of 100 mile or this being my first coming up i don't know if i could do two in a year maybe once you're trained and you're to the level and you're kind of maintaining it becomes a lot easier uh, but at this point, you know, I was thinking my next, uh, 100 miler would be a, almost a year from now. I do other races in between, but it, you know, you're racing quite a bit.
1: Well, I lost a little bit of the audio on there, Chris, but I, I think I can pick it up from where you left off. Um, I have done about eight, 100 mile races and, and yes, I try to generally do about one a year. There has been a couple of years where I've done uh, more than one, but it does get fairly taxing kind of the transition for me getting into that first marathon was, I had been running with this running group and they all had teased me about one day I'm gonna run a marathon. And and I told them, no, I have no interest in doing that. I have zero interest in running that far. And uh, of course, eventually, as my miles increased with this running group, a marathon became something that seemed attainable in my mind. And due to my history of of always being active out in nature and, and in the woods, uh, we have some awesome trails in a state park close by us. And that's somewhere that I would go off to, or often go off to and run by myself. And the the first marathon I did was a trail marathon. And it was actually up by my, my hometown. And that's why I picked it. Um, and that was the, at the time, it was the Voyager half. And it's changed names since then. But uh, the Voyager is a pretty special race. Not only was it in my hometown, but that's also the first race that Scott Jurek and Dusty Olson did uh, before his rise to fame with with his Western States Championships. So it was kind of fun to run the same course that that someone that is so well known in the sport, you know, got his feet wet on.
0: Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah, what was the name of that race?
1: That was the it's the Voyager Fifty, and then they oh, have boy. the marathon yeah. distance was used to be the Half Voyager. Now it's called the Eugene Kernow Trail Marathon.
0: Okay, yeah, I was looking at those results yesterday. The the what's the local run you do? There's a local hundred, It Zo- was something with a we, Z.
1: We have Zumbro, and then we also have the Superior One Hundred. Okay. Quite instance, in in uh, Zumbro is more of an entry level race, and the Superior is more of an advanced level race, I would say.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things you do on your videos, which I'm enjoying, is basically giving tips and things like that. And so I didn't properly go through your introduction, but I will link in the show notes here. Uh, Terry, which is known as Trey runs on YouTube is doing a bunch of videos, uh, similar. He'll do, you know, some lifestyle stuff like I'm doing, but in a sense, you're doing uh, a lot of tips and, um, things to take away, whether it's from nutrition to to dressing, to you did something on grip the other day. Obviously you're running on a lot of ice there. And it was funny, when I was headed to Vermont this year, I Terry was the first person I thought of. I reached out and said, okay, I'm headed to Vermont. I hope there's gonna be snow. What shoe do I need? And he came back, you know, right away saying, you know, the the snow cross, is that what it's called? The Solomon Snow Cross two, I believe. And it, it was an awesome shoe it worked really well. So I've been following along that way. So for those of you who aren't or have been following me, I would jump over to Terry's channel. I'll send it to you. But if you search, uh, Trey runs, TRE runs, uh, you will find his channel and, uh, jump over there and subscribe. We, uh, he is building his channel subscription. So I'm curious to see in a week from now, how many subscribers we can bump up on your channel from, uh, from this show. So Uh, But again, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us about uh, all of your experiences. I know last year you did Western States, and of of all your races, is that kind of the biggest one you look at as being the biggest uh, ultra you've done?
1: It is, for sure. Western States is like the Super Bowl of ultra running, or it would be like a Kona for you and, and Ironman. And it's really hard to get into. There's... Between five and 6,000 entries into this lottery, where 250 slots are drawn. And it will take, so you might get lucky and get pulled with one ticket, but generally you have to wait somewhere between five and seven years to get in to get to run this race. And the, the coolest thing about this race, it starts in Squaw Valley, and this is where the 100 mile distance really began. And this is essentially the championship race of the year. It's not a championship race, but it's so iconic and it's, it's, the beginning race, and this is the one where, where all the elites, all the giants of the sport uh, run it every year, and I can't think of any other sport where you can toe the start line with every elite athlete there is in the sport and run the same race on the same day with them, and it's, it's just it's an amazing experience. I would recommend it to anybody that ever has a chance to get in. It was uh, probably a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity for me. But uh, if possible, I'd sure like to get back there.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about that. If uh, the race I'm doing isn't obviously a qualifier, but as I do next year, I'm uh, 2000 or uh, 20, yeah, 2020. I'm looking at. I was telling you yesterday, either Havelina or Zion, and I go back and forth on on which one it'll be. And Zion just looks beautiful and. Terry happens to actually be doing Zion, that's the race he's training for now, and he'll be racing that, I believe it's the weekend after I do my race. My race is the 4th or 5th, and I believe your race is the following weekend.
1: Yes, that's correct. I think uh, my race starts
0: the 12th of April. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Zion is only about, I believe, 6 hours from here. I was uh, out in Vegas a couple months ago and considered getting up super early and driving just so that I could run there, but I haven't I haven't made it out there. And that is one of the places I want to go. And Zion, especially, there's a bunch of them, but the that's put on by Vacation Races, I believe, right? But those races, I believe they do a whole series of Bryce Canyon. And you've actually done a Bryce Canyon race, I believe, right?
1: I have. I, I did that, uh, I think, maybe two or three years ago. And I have to tell you, Chris, Zion is a two-hour drive from Vegas. Bryce is about a four-hour drive. And I haven't. I've been to Zion National Park several times with buddies and, and done a few hikes out there, but I've never run ran the actual course. And the the Zion course is actually outside the park, um, so it looks really beautiful. But I, I haven't been there, so I can't comment on it yet. Bryce is probably the most beautiful 100 mile race that I've done. It was one of those races where you would be running through canyons or through the hoodoos, and you would come around a corner and you would literally stop dead in your tracks and just look. And and I would just be in awe. And I would think to myself, this is just so incredibly beautiful that I can't believe I am so lucky that I am able to be here and do these things where the average person will never get to see this. So Bryce is probably one of my most favorite races that I've done. And uh, that as well is put on, like you said, by vacation races. to. I've had a great experience with it. I would definitely recommend that as one of my top five uh, buckle list races.
0: Yeah, they do a really good job with their their videos. And I've been on there and I've watched a bunch of their different videos. And yeah, I mean, just the sandstone and the formations and running through what appears to almost be caves. And it just looks amazing. Now, is there a lot of sand in that race?
1: There is a lot of sand. Uh, And one of the things that, that goes along with sand, of course, is blister management, and that's a that's a big topic, too. And one of the easiest ways to help prevent that is to wear gaiters, and that keeps a lot of debris from getting into the, the shoe from the top. And there's some other things, too, you can do for blisters, you know, changing your socks frequently and keeping your feet dry and, and uh, addressing every little, you know, stone or pebble or itch immediately or, or hot spot. But, um, yeah, it can be really sandy, and it can be hot. Or... On the flip side, if you get a rain year, you know, that real fine silt can turn to some pretty slick mud and make for some difficult conditions. Uh, When I ran, it was a dry year. I think generally it is and uh, not a super technical course, but uh, plenty of elevation change. I want to say that was probably up around above 8000 feet in altitude at the peak. So that was a factor as well to consider, where Zion, I think, is down around 5,000. So if you're not an altitude person, that would be something to think about as well. Now, in Minnesota, what
0: altitude are you
1: at? I think we're about 1,900 feet where I live, so pretty much a a flatlander. So
0: so you've got a little bit of uh, elevation on me. I think I might be... about a hundred and twenty or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, when I do my race, even here in uh, Idlewild uh, in April, I will be at five thousand. So um, I had a huge fear of running at altitude when I went to do um, the Trans Rockies Run in, five years ago, and I'm doing that again in August, and that being at ten thousand to thirteen thousand feet. And you know what I quickly realized was. It wasn't if you train and you're conditioned and you're in shape to run hundred miles. You, for me, the first couple of days I had some headaches when I got there at that altitude of ten thousand feet, and it was really, really mild, almost like a um, a hangover, right? And just a, a small headache. Drank a ton of fluids, didn't do anything for the first twenty four hours, and then uh, started to adapt. And all I really noticed was the first day feeling at the start of the run, say mile one, mile two, that I felt like I was breathing more like I had already been running for a while, not this massive issue. And we went all the way to, to 13,000 feet and I'm sure I was breathing harder than I would have been, but it wasn't, it didn't have the massive effect I thought it would have. So I, my fears on that have kind of been settled a little bit. So even with Ida being at 5,000, um, I'll try and get up here, local mountains every once in a while that I can to a few thousand feet and, um, and train and, for me, I don't get altitude sickness or haven't. So thankfully, that wasn't an issue for me. So now with your running right now, obviously, you're running in the snow. How often are you running a week? You're training for Zion. It's a month out. How often are you out running per week?
1: Well, right now, my schedule calls me running for seven days a week. Um, I'm kind of getting into the heavier mileage of my, my training cycle. I haven't always done that. Um, I just kind of started doing that with my training plan that I had for Western States. And, you know, the interesting thing is I've run more miles recently in the last couple of years than I ever have. And when I ran Western States, I don't know if it correlated a lot in in making me a faster runner. I, I did run a marathon during that last cycle last year training for States, and I dropped like eight or nine minutes off my marathon time, which I thought was pretty huge. And that was not doing any speed work. That was just with increased mileage. So that kind of kind of increased my mileage, but when I ran Western states, I and mean, granted, there's a lot of different factors that come into to races, and they're not apples to apples. There's elevation changes, you know, train differences, heat, and all different sorts of variables that go in. But um, I thought I would run much faster at states than I did, and in and in hindsight, I might have went into states a little bit overtrained, and. Everybody that I've talked to over the years has always said it's better to go into a race a little bit under-trained than overtrained. trained And um, in hindsight, I probably would have cut back my mileage a little bit that I had at Western States. And this year, I'm going to do that. So I probably will drop down uh, possibly to about six days a week running here in the next month.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've actually upped my running in the last um... – I think four, four weeks or so early on, I was putting together my own plan and I put a lot of emphasis. I'm big on functional training and strength training. And while I'm trying to lose weight and size, I still, um, one of the things I don't want to occur is when I did Ironman, uh, for four years, I slowly dwindled down smaller and smaller and smaller and realized that I was good at three things and all of them were moving straight forward. And I didn't really have any, um, you know, lateral movement, and I wasn't doing uh, a lot of the strength I had, I had or size. I don't want to be a big, big person, but I like definition, and, um, you know, I want to be able to do pull ups and push ups and, and all of those things, be functional. So I've been, I was really keeping an emphasis on that. But in the last four weeks, when I started working with Carl, I've shifted and I'm, I'm still trying to throw in my sit ups and my pull ups and things like that uh, throughout the week. But mainly now I'm running six days a week. That I think has helped uh, just increase the volume, and I've also cut down on my long run. So one of my uh, a couple questions: one is, is your training plan something you've put together over time, or is it something that you have uh, that you have worked with a coach on? And then two what is your longest run? Because that's been a, an ongoing debate with me in my head. And even with viewers, uh, talking to me about, uh, you know, you're not, you, you haven't run far enough. Are you running enough? And, and I was, I had done a 33 miler not that long ago. And now I've kind of cut back and I'm going to do 20, 24 miles here in the next couple of weeks and then really turn it down for taper. So one training plan. And then two, what, what's your longest runs look like? Well,
1: I've had two training plans built for me. Um, but my very first 100-mile race, I I just found some resources and some books, and I kind of more or less just winged it. Uh, after that, uh, I did have a plan built for me through McMillan Running, and I used that plan for maybe four years. And then when I got into States, I wanted to kind of get retweak that plan because I'd made some progress in my training. And so I went back to McMillan Running, and I had them custom build me a new plan specifically for Western States. And the nice thing about having a plan built for you is you don't have a coach, but your plan builder is an ultra runner. Um, in fact, the guy who built my plan uh, runs with Jim Walmsley, who's currently has the a huge course record at Western States. He's probably the largest name in ultra running right now. But um, they take into account your your other races during the cycle. They take into account your experience, what you're currently running. They take into account like uh, your your past history, your your best marathons, your best, you know, 5k, 10k, and, and they build you your plan based upon what your goals are. If you want to be faster, if you want to have more endurance or, or whatnot. So it's really customized. And so that's currently what I'm operating on now. I Basically, it comes on an Excel spreadsheet, and it's easily adaptable from season to season season or cycle to cycle. You can just punch in different dates and adapt it for, for ne- next year's race. Um, and what was the second part of the The question after uh, training plan, Chris, longest run? Probably about um, two months out from my race date. I generally will run more than 20 miles every Saturday morning. Um, I'm currently running about 25 miles now. I do like to have, if it's available, a 50-mile race somewhere about maybe two months before my A-race date. If that's not available, maybe a 50 K or I may uh, run for about five hours one morning, that's probably going to put me at about 30 miles. So if I don't have a race to use as a training race, then 30 miles would be my, my longest training run. And generally it's going to be somewhere between 20 and 25 every Saturday there for my long runs.
0: Okay. So then when do you try and schedule that, uh, 30 about how far out is that right before your taper or a little bit, you know, even before that?
1: probably going to be about, uh, six to seven weeks out from my, my race date. Um, and then I'll also start doing some doubles too, which I'm really not a fan of. I find it hard to recover, especially as I get older. Um, that was something that was new in, in my latest plan. And, and the person who built it really felt that would help increase my endurance. It was a lot of work and, and, um, I'm not sure if I'll stay with that in the long run or not
0: okay now being in minnesota and the amount of snow how often are you running outside versus running on a treadmill because i that's one of the things i always wonder being from california um uh, i hate running on a treadmill honestly i can't stand being on there especially anything more than six miles but i know uh, for a lot of folks around the world that are in much harsher weather than than my my weather which i'm upset when it's 38 degrees outside and uh, there might be some rain um, so it's definitely different for me. So how often are you running on a treadmill versus getting out on the trails?
1: More than I want to for, for certain, you know, it really depends on the weather and everybody kind of adapts and acclimates to their own geographic region. And you know, what's cold to you might be warm to me and vice versa. If, if we get below five degrees and into the below zero Fahrenheit area, uh, I generally try to stay indoors you know you can run at those temperatures but if you get some wind involved it's just it's not as fun and I'm more apt to finish my workout by hitting the treadmill inside and I'm lucky at my local YMCA we have treadmills that have internet access you can watch Netflix uh, One of the one of my favorite things to do uh, when I am stuck on the treadmill is to pull up YouTube videos on the, race that I plan on running or that I'm training on. And a lot of YouTubers will include a video of the course. And you can actually run on the treadmill while you're watching the race course on the screen in front of you. And Bryce was a big one I did that one with. And also Tahoe Rim Trail and Western States. Um, both uh, Western States and Tahoe have a lot of video on the course. And it's, it's really nice to visualize the course before you ever get to the venue. And so you have kind of an idea of what the train's going to be like, um, and it can be really a useful part of your training. So it really depends on the weather. Um, I prefer to run outside unless I'm stuck inside, and that just changes week to week. Some weeks I won't run on the treadmill at all. In other weeks I, I may run five of my seven runs on the treadmill
0: yeah now, during the week, obviously you said your your long runs are twenty twenty five on the weekends what What is your average run uh during the week on a treadmill say
1: you know that kind of changes uh, currently right now I'm about um I'm kind of in a place in my cycle where I like to run about ten miles a day and then do my long run on Saturday.
0: Yeah, your volume is definitely a lot higher than mine at this point, and I think uh, I would ultimately like to get there. I don't know that in my running. Uh, a <laughs> career, I guess, or my ultra career that my body has adapted enough to, um, handle that kind of volume yet. It has adapted obviously from running nothing to what I'm running now, which is about 54, 57 miles a week, but I'm certainly not there yet. I would say, I don't think I could quite recover from that. Um, so yeah, it's interesting 10 miles a day. So I was curious what, what your weekly mileage looked like.
1: Well, and that's, that's only for right now. That's really recent, uh, I think I started doing that last week and I ended up having a, like two days off that week. So my, in this training cycle, my weekly mileage will max somewhere between 95 and a hundred miles for the week. Um, the reality is I am going to pull it back for this cycle because it's just so much harder running in the winter in Minnesota with the snow and, and everything else. And, and I have done, you know, 20, 23 mile treadmill runs and it's not fun. I'm sorry, but, um, So right now, uh, my training miles for the week, I just finished, uh, well last week was a recovery week, the week before that was 65 miles. So this week would be 70 and then the week after would be 75 and I'll just add five miles on per week. Um, And uh, it's really, so it's not always 10 miles a day, that's generally what I try to hit if I'm going to take a a day or two off. Um, My plan also calls for those 10 miles to come in, in a double which means uh, I would run five or six in the morning and then five or six at night, just because the weather right now, I'd rather get outside one time instead of fight the cold twice. And so I've kind of lumped it together.
0: Yeah. I saw in your video, your most recent video, you, when you were out running and you went through that snow cave that it, it looked like you literally had icicles on, on your eyelashes. Uh, It was like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't tell if it was, I don't remember if it was snowing or if, if ice was literally just building from your eyes watering.
1: (laughs) Well, Part of the problem is when you exhale, you know, there's moisture in your breath. And as you're running forward, of course, where does it go? Right over your face and your head. And you'll have to stop several times on a run and and actually melt the ice on your, anywhere that there's a place for the frost to collect, it will build up. Eyebrows, eyelashes, any hair you have on your face, of course, your clothing. And then when you sweat as well, it will actually form icicles of sweat underneath your hat so Sometimes when you go to take your stocking cap off, you you like have to rip it off of your head because it's frozen to your hair. So yeah, not a, not a lot of fun, but it kind of comes with the territory. And there's yeah, not I don't know how to- you
0: uh, how you do it. I um, you know when I was back in Vermont and it was twenty five or twenty degrees, you know, I I almost had to cover my entire face just because I couldn't handle breathing the cold air. I needed a thin layer of uh, of cloth in front just to warm the air a little bit. Um and I can't imagine, you know, running here even, you know, when I turn the camera on when I'm running and I and I kind of wipe my face off before I do it. Um uh, and and all I'm doing is mainly sweating, so it's a it's a totally different uh totally different ball game out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, we think we have it cold here, but then I have to remember well, most of the northern states are going through the same thing. And then you get into Canada and it's even more frigid and and uh so sometimes I think you know, I for you guys, it's a big deal, but for us, you know, it's probably not a, a big of a deal as it is for people even further north than us. So,
0: yeah, I was amazed I was always amazed when I did triathlon, even I did Ironman, that I would show up to these races that were in April or, or whatnot, and there's people coming from the Northeast and and things like that in areas like yourself in Minnesota, and and they're they're doing an Ironman, and I'm just thinking, gosh, how in the heck do they train for this in the winter? So. Uh, again, hats off. Actually, there's someone in the chat room right now named Tony Jensen that is uh, another Minnesota runner. So I give him a shout out that uh, he's posted a couple comments. You'll have to go back and you can see the comments when you watch the video later. But uh, yeah, so uh, shout out to Tony. He uh, he just said that uh, he does the exact same. He watches uh, mini races while running on a treadmill. So
1: Interesting. I'll have to look uh, Tony up later. I wonder if we've run, I'm sure we've run the same races if he's from Minnesota, I would guess. But
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. One other thing you mentioned earlier that I wanted to uh, mention and get your opinion on was one of the things I've noticed, or I've heard, had comments about early on, I was doing some speed work training. I was going to the track. I was trying to run some intervals, but as uh, a couple things, as I started having some calf issues, I kind of backed some of that off, uh, focused more just on making sure I got the volume, didn't get injured, but what I was amazed at is recently I did a 5K and went out and decided to run hard. And you know, if I had done that 20 weeks ago when I started, I think I would have maybe done 830s or something like that, but I did that, I don't know, a few weeks ago and I ran 730s and I was amazed at that. And then I recently I heard a podcast and the, I forget who it was, but they were basically mentioning that volume alone is one of the biggest factors. And you know, just putting in the volume of running is going to improve your running. And I really didn't really ever think about that. I thought speed work was the way to get faster. But now I'm kind of realizing that um, just the volume of running I'm doing is making me a much better runner and I'm becoming much faster. And, you know, doing as many ultras as you do and saying, you know, mentioning speed work. Do you do a lot of speed work or have you kind of seen the same that over the years of just putting in the volume, you've seen your time improve?
1: I am not a huge proponent of speed work. And the group that I run with, they do a fair amount of speed work, but they're marathoners. And most of the people that I run with are Boston runners. And so they're they're good runners and they're always going to be faster than I am. Speed has never been Um, one of my strengths. When I run 100 miles, I do a lot of walking. And most people who run 100 miles, there's going to be parts in the course where they're going to do a fair amount of walking. And the one thing I learned early on was if I want to improve my time in the 100-mile course, I need to increase my endurance rather than my speed. I need to be able to shorten those periods where I have to walk and be able to run some of those, because ultimately that's where I'm going to get my speed gains. The one thing that I have seen with speed work is, and it kind of goes back to what you said, is I don't have any evidence of this, but just what I've kind of seen personally is people who do a lot of speed work, it seems to me like they end up with more injuries. Um, So I don't do speed work. And like I mentioned earlier, just doing higher mileage last year and higher volume, I cut Eight or nine minutes off my marathon time without even trying, and I went from a a three forty four three down to like a three thirty five, and the only thing I can attribute that to is that I had increased my my and you know you do your running economy. One of the collegiate runners who ran for the University of Minnesota that is in my running group, um, she always tells me you have to run slow to run fast. You have to. You have to condition your body and build that mitochondria and build those capillaries and, and get that heart rate to, to be able to stay low with increased endurance. And, and, um, so I don't do speed work right or wrong. That's kind of where I'm at now. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with that, but, um, for me, I'd I'd rather just be able to run more. That's, that's my goal is to increase my endurance at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I also have a buddy that uh, used to be my next door neighbor. And he uh, last year took on the challenge of running 2018 miles in 2018. And to see his times now his training runs, his 20, you know, his 20 mile runs, 20 plus mile runs have just continued to go down and down and down. And he's not doing a ton of speed work that I'm aware of. And he's now, you know, I'll look at his training runs and he's, you know, he's running eight thirties for 20 some miles and he just did a marathon in the same. And it's amazing to see his time go down. And, you know, I, I truly do believe it. it's, it's volume and, and just putting that in, day in and day out will will slowly start to increase your endurance and and i also completely agree that for me when i was looking at it thinking um do i really need to run faster or do i need to be able to run longer right and i i i know i'm going to be walking i was walking a lot of the hills when i did my 33 miler in catalina and that was only six and a half hours and and i could feel my legs were tired And I can see that I'm going to be running or I'm going to be walking quite a bit. So I've been going back and forth and I'd like to get your opinion on, um, I'm doing a looped course, right? So that's nowhere near the same as doing a, a much longer course where, um, I would say it's not as easy necessarily to judge your distance per se. You know, you have mile markers or aid stations, but literally every mile and a half, I'm going to be at the aid station. So. For me, I've been trying to think a lot about my strategy and how I might approach that. And I know that most of my runs are between a nine and a 10. That's just kind of where I run. That's where I average. But I know I'm not going to be able to maintain that for, uh, I I know I won't be able to maintain that for six hours. So not, you know, running at that pace the whole time. And if I do, then I'm going to be shot. So I've been trying to go back and forth on, should I do a run walk approach and maybe run three laps? walk a lap, run three laps, or, you know, play around with how I'm going to do my mileage in a sense that try and extend my ability to run into those much longer hours in the race instead of doing all my running up front and then really doing a ton of walking at the end. I don't know what your opinion on that is.
1: Well, I don't have a lot of experience with those strategies. I typically start out slow and get slower as the race goes on. Um, I haven't experimented with with transitioning on a regular schedule. Uh, however, and it, one experience that I do have to, to kind of touch on this is I ran Rio de Lago out in Folsom, California last year and or two years ago. And there was a guy who was doing exactly that. I started out running with him and his watch beeped and he started to walk. And and we had just started into the race and I kind of looked at him and he says, every five miles, I'm going to walk for a mile. And I thought, oh, that seems weird this early in the race, you know, and whatever. So I took off running and, and I would guess about within 30 miles, he passed me with that strategy. So I think it can work for some people. I just, I just don't have enough experience with myself. I don't know if I could hold back and force myself to do that when I'm feeling good. Um, I don't know. It, It maybe would work and it obviously worked for this guy. And yeah, I don't know. You'll have to let me know if you do that. If, Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: thinking I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll probably experiment with that. Cause I find my heart, the hardest thing I have, even now just going out and I'll be like, okay, today I've got a six miler. It is a slow run and I'll run and I'll just, you know, you stop thinking about things and I get back and it's like, Oh, I ran a 945. It's like, darn it. I need to run 11 minute miles or, you know, I want to slow it down and run slow. And I've had a very difficult time in training unless it's a really long run and there's hills where I have to walk them. I've had a really difficult time forcing myself to run slower. So that's something I think that's going to be a challenge for me is to not, uh, basically, you know, gas out the first five hours and then be in this stage where I feel like all I can do is walk. Uh, one thing I did, I'm curious if you do anything this way is when I did my 33 miler, I, I find I try and play a lot of mental games in the sense that I would, um, you know, a lot of people talk about running to the next marker, or I see this tree, I'm going to walk to there, and then I'm going to run a little further. Uh, One of the things I ended up doing was uh, actually counting steps. So a lot of times, if I find that I'm starting to struggle, I'll actually start counting my steps, and I'll get to 100, and I'll start over. And that's one way I try and uh, cause I had, I had seen something on, I think it was a Ted talk that talked about, uh, taking your mind off the pain, right? Some people use music, but, but by counting, you can't really think about two things at the same time. So counting was one way I did it. The other way I did it was, um, run a hundred steps and walk 25 steps, things like that to try and break it up. I'm curious, do you, do you do any mental games like that or anything like that just to keep your mind off the pain?
1: A little bit. Before I get into that, I just wanted to clarify one thing. When I talk about running slow and, and whatnot, um, you know, I usually reserve that for my long runs, mostly. And obviously, even though I don't do speed work, I do think it's important to add in tempo runs and heart licks and mix it up sometimes to run at different paces. So I just don't want your subscribers to think that, you know, I always run slow, slow, slow. Definitely, there's tempo runs and hard efforts. And you need to in- introduce uh, new stimulus all the time. Otherwise you can plateau too. So moving on. One of the things
0: I've just introduced is progressive runs. I hadn't really been doing that and kind of lowering your time throughout the run. And I found that to be something one that's kind of fun and, uh, different. You know, I hadn't been doing those before.
1: Sure. Mental games. Um, I don't have a lot of mental games, but I do have some things that I use for motivation. Um, I do not listen to music within the first 50 miles of a race. I save that for the halfway point when I can start counting down. At the beginning, I never think of a 100-mile race in terms of I have 100 miles to go. I break it into quarters, and I just – the first part is I need to run 25 miles. Once I do that, then I'm halfway to the 50 point, and then I just need to run 25 miles to 50. And when you're running 20, 25 miles every weekend, it doesn't uh, – the, the, that number doesn't scare you. And that's a manageable number for my brain to wrap around and think, nope, 25 miles. Yep, I can do that. When I get into the 30s and 40s, I generally have some problems. That's one of my weak points in there. It's a downtime for me historically with every race. And then I just think, well, I only have eight more miles to go to 50. And that's my point. And when I get to 50, I know I can change clothes. I can get out of sweaty clothes, put on fresh socks, fresh clothes. It's a huge mental boost just to put on clean, fresh clothes. And then I know I have my music or a podcast or something else. And generally that's as it's getting later in the day, it's starting to get dark. Um, It really takes my mind off of of things. I I laugh about the, the counting thing and I could definitely see where that work will work. One of the things I've experienced is I think people call it ultra brain. And when you start getting into like mile 70 and later, your brain loses the ability to do math. And it's <laughs> when you start counting miles to aid stations. Um, I, I remember having conversations with people on the trail and we're like, D- what's three plus eight? And and you'll be like, oh, it's 14. And they'll be like, no, I think it's 11. And you just, it's funny how your brain loses function. And um, so, but I could definitely see we're in, Something like that, people will have a mantra too, is, you know, light is a feather, light is a feather. And and just to, to mentally uh, stop feeling heavy and to kind of give them this floating. Yeah, exactly. Mind, you know, and I definitely can see where that works. One of the other things I do is um, I find that running 100 miles can put me in a very primal state. And it's almost the absence of thought and nothing really matters, all these external factors and external stimulus go away and it comes down to the trail five feet in front of your your body. And if you can have a crew or a pacer or family at an aid station that you know is coming up, to me that is the biggest thing that someone can do. If you can look forward, knowing that i just have 18 more miles to go and so and so is going to be there and that to me is the hugest mental boost is is just knowing somebody's going to be there and knowing once you get past that halfway point that then you're counting down you know as soon as you leave that leave that aid station at mile 50 now you're in the 40s right and 40s right. isn't so scary anymore you know and then you're in the 30s and once you get to the 20s well gosh you know you can run you can walk 20 miles if you have to you know you're going to finish so
0: yeah, it's interesting. That's one of the things that uh, you you talk about people being there. That is one of the fears I have is all my Ironman races. I've had family there, and you know they're going to be there, and you're going to see them. You know, on the different loops. I don't, with the way this race is lining up, I'm not sure I'm actually going to have anyone at this race. (laughs) Luckily, it's only a mile and a half, so you will have a lot of people there. And it's a really cool event in the sense that you're kind of camping there and things like that. But that is something uh, I can totally agree with. You know, having someone that you know you're going to see is a huge mental boost. Um, Couple questions that are coming in on the the chat room that I wanted to make sure we didn't miss. Um, Someone asked, what is your favorite running shoe? uh i'll say one one real quick someone asked uh am i not running in the hookahs anymore because uh, i know what your answer is going to be um so i am currently running in the the Sauconies. i've got both their trail run trail running shoe in there and their um uh road running shoe and if you've been watching 26 weeks you know that i tried to transition to the hookahs and had a hard time and i don't I, I don't blame the hookahs. I blame myself 100% because the drop in the shoe is not that different. It's, I think it's like 0.5 millimeters. I think, one, my volume was going up too quick. Uh, I wasn't quite ready for that. And I I went to a new shoe and was running 18 miles. So uh, I didn't have time to transition and properly break them in. So I I switched back to my, my Sauconies. Those things have settled down. I recently actually put this in this last week a little shoe a, a, a heel insert to lift my heel a little bit because I had been watching a bunch of videos about taking some pressure off the calves and and that in the last week has made a huge difference and my goal is to slowly transition back down and remove uh, layers of this heel insert. Um, But so my goal is to get back in the hookahs. I think, uh, the cushioning being a bigger guy, I'm in the one nineties. So for me, um, I'm six foot tall, 190, and I think the cushioning is a good thing. Um, so that's where I'm at, but where are you on running shoes and what, what do you like?
1: Well, when it comes to technical trails, anything that is, could be muddy or, um, Something where you need more grip, I really, really like the Salomon Speed Cross. I've had them since the beginning. I've always loved them. When it comes to less technical trails or when it comes to road running, I've really enjoyed the the Hoka Challengers. And I used to run with regular running shoes like um, Brooks was a favorite of mine, Brooks Ghost, Brooks Glycerin. And I went into the running company one day and, and we were talking about ultras and the guy said, Sooner or later, you're going to transition to the Hokas. And I said, I don't think so. They look like clown shoes to me. I'm not interested. Well, I ran Black Hills 100, and one of the things that bothered me the most was the balls of my feet became so painful that every time I would take a step, it would just be pain, pain, pain. And one of the reasons was I needed a, a more cushioned shoe. And when I started building mileage on the road, too, um, I, I think it's been pretty helpful. I like the Challengers because they're not as thick as some of the other Hokas. They're kind of a, a lower profile shoe. They feel natural when you run. I've heard people complain about for thick ones that they're all rocky motion when you run. Um, but I've never tried those, so I can't verify that. So at this point, I do like the, the ATR Challengers uh, for road and less technical trails and for technical running. I'm still a big fan of the, the speed cross
0: by Solomon. Okay. Uh, well, a couple of things in regards to that being, you know, talking about your feet and hurting. Um, I meant to ask you, and I, I jumped right in. Uh, I'm, I'm six foot tall. All right. One of my goals has been to slowly decrease my weight. You had talked about, uh, as you kind of went in your training plan, you were trying to, to lean out and lose some weight. Um, I'm about a hundred. And I think right now I'm probably about 197. I haven't weighed in the last couple of weeks when I was sick. Um, I was trying to get down to 180, but I've had a hard time. Um, I think dropping mass muscle mass. So that slowly is coming down and dwindling away. Uh, it's hard to tell in videos, but how tall are you and kind of what, what's your weight? Uh, and then what's your race weight goal?
1: I am 5'10 and 3 quarters. I always have to throw in the 3 quarters part. Um, and I generally off-season can weigh about 175. And I like to, when I feel like I'm in good shape, I like to be about 165. That, for me, is is pretty lean. Um, when I ran Western States, that's probably the leanest I've been in a long time. And I think I was down to about 163-ish, give or take. I don't do a lot of... Um, dieting when it comes to denying myself food, uh, but the the things that I do do is I give up uh, alcohol during a cycle, and um, this cycle as well, I've given up a Diet Coke, which has been completely painful, and uh, and I, I try to cut down on the sweets but and, and just the chicken wing buffets and things like that, but other than that, I don't eat anything. You know, I try to eat healthy, but I don't have any regimen. I'm not paleo. I'm not vegan. I'm not um, – I've tried some different diets, and and I don't know that I've seen any big increases for me personally. Everybody is an individual, and obviously you know people respond differently to different diets and different things like that. So 165 is kind of my goal weight um, where I'd like to be by the end of the month. Just increasing my mileage generally is enough to lean me out.
0: Okay. Yeah. One of the questions which I don't – I don't have good experience on. I don't know if you uh, have had any experience or, or opinions from other athletes is, um, how much does height matter, um, for runners? And, you know, is there an advantage to being shorter or taller? I mean, being six foot, I think I'm pretty average and, um, you know, I've run with runners that are, uh, shorter than me. Yeah, you know, I haven't run with a lot of runners that are necessarily taller than six, one or six, two, um. I do see them out there and sometimes I think stride stride length would be a big advantage, but on the other hand, the way I run with uh, trying to focus on four foot running, I'm I'm really not taking very big strides. so I don't I don't know that my stride you know, I don't have any percentages, but I don't know that my stride is really almost that much longer um, when running than someone that's not you know a little bit shorter or a little bit taller because I'm really trying to take smaller steps. but um, I don't know what your what your opinion is on that.
1: You know? I don't know. I mean, when you when you look at it from the outside, you would think the longer your legs, the the longer the stride, the faster you're going to be. But I just don't see that really equate unilaterally. It's I run with uh, some people that are shorter than I am in my running group, and every single one of them can outrun me every day of the week. So I don't know that one is necessarily an advantage over the other. When it comes to being lean. One thing I've noticed is, if you're not an elite athlete in running 100 miles, if you're not going to be in the top 10 most runners are not that lean when it comes to ultra marathoners, you know, they're a little bit more muscular because the terrain is usually a little bit more difficult. Um, it's a lot different than running a marathon on a road where there's more level surface. You know, I think running the trails, it demands more muscular quads and, and calves and,
0: you know, just stabilizer muscles
1: that maybe aren't as important when you're running on a flat
0: surface. Yeah. It's funny yesterday when I was looking at your, um, I was looking for a photo of you to put on the cover art of this. So I I knew what races you did on ultra sign up. So I was kind of going through and, and trying to spot you in (laughs) race result photos and that was extremely difficult. I actually gave up. Um, but one of the things that I noticed, which was, um, comforting I'll say is I probably went through three or four of your races and kind of, you know, probably went through hundreds of photos was, seeing the variety of sizes of people that are running these races. You know, I think people always think, you know, you need to be a certain size or there's big advantages or there people aren't going to be out there that, that are overweight or that might, you know, have some extra pounds. And it's funny when I did Ironman, there were people of all sizes out there. And, and that, that, I think that that is not the issue, right? It's putting in the training, You've got to have the endurance you've got to build the engine and, and that's what really matters obviously i think for me being lighter is better i feel like every pound that i can lose i don't have to carry that pound 100 miles um so i do think there's a lot of advantages to being the lighter being easier on your joints and and things like that um but I also do agree that strength is a big factor in longer distance. When I was doing Ironman and I started adding in deadlifts and, and things like that and, and doing CrossFit and getting stronger, I actually started to get faster and be stronger in the, and I'll say faster, in the later hours of the race. And that's where the strength, I think, things like deadlifts and and things, they really become a factor later in the race when you, you know, when, when you actually do have some muscles to, to, to help carry you.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. There's a, a saying and I don't know where it originated. So I, I can't really confirm the validity of it, but it's something I've always heard. And, and the equation is two seconds per pound for per mile. And the theory is if you can lose one pound of, of fat, you can gain uh, two seconds for every mile that you run. So it's, uh, Two seconds per pound per mile. So uh, lighter can be better if if you want to be faster. But having said that, people who run 100 milers and 50 milers, there's a lot of hiking involved. And people that are strong hikers can do pretty well in these races where um, somebody who's not prepared to walk fast in those walking moments is going to suffer a little bit more.
0: Yep. Yep. No, totally agree. Now I could continue to talk to you for hours, so we're going to have to do this again, but I know you have a job and that was actually something I meant to, to ask you about because uh, getting a perspective, I think about, you know, obviously you've run a lot of races and you train a lot. Um, uh, I wanted to get a perspective on, uh, you know, not necessarily details, but as far as you're, you're 48, you have a family, things like that. You, you work, um, you know, what, you know, I don't know not specifically what your job is but you know what kind of job do you do and then when when do you find that you're able to get your runs in so kind of just some background so people can think about you know okay this guy's doing 20 some ultras and he's training and he's talking about two a days he's run 25 miles you know it, one of the big things that uh, has come from doing the 26 weeks and a lot of people have commented on and I think that they have been drawn to is the fact that I am in my 40s. I am a family man. I do have a career. I'm trying to balance all these things. I get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning and, and I work really, really hard to make that all work and make it not affect my job or my family. Um, so just kind of get some perspective on you and, and your background before we finish it off here.
1: Yeah, well, currently I, I do have an office job. I work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, schedule, uh, pretty typical. And Most of my running I do in the morning. I meet the running group at 5.45. Usually we'll run, you know, five miles every morning. If I need to run more miles, I'll start earlier. Sometimes I run. Lately I've been running after work more just because it's generally 10 degrees warmer and there's actually some daylight now. Uh, So that's a mental boost as well. But my long runs, I will generally start Saturday morning, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning so that I'm done by 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at the latest and, you know, the family's I haven't wasted the entire day. Um, My son is in college right now, and my daughter is a a sophomore in high school. She has a driver's license. She's fairly self-sufficient. So I've reached that stage in my life where uh, the demands on me as a father are less than they were, you know, 10 years ago. And as my kids got older, that's what really allowed me to put more time into my hobbies and, and running for my races that I've done 100 miles, we've kind of built those around family vacations. And if we go out to Tahoe or Bryce or or wherever we may go, the first couple days are about the race. And after that, you know, we'll give them a week of vacation. We'll go to Yosemite or wherever and make, go to the beach. And that way it becomes a family event and we get to include both things. So. That's a good way to sell these races is to guarantee a family vacation after the work is done.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I go around and around with my wife and she always gives me i uh, uh, I'll keep it clean crap for uh, looking for vacations that I can somehow wrap a race into. And she's just like, you know, every vacation doesn't need to become a race or every race, you don't need to sell it as a vacation. So I'm, I'm definitely always <laughs> looking at, okay. I would love to do this, you know, do you want to go to Montana? She's like, what? I don't want to go to Montana. I want to go. (laughs) So I'm always trying to sell wherever my race is at as a vacation. So uh, I run into that, but I will, I will say, you know, one of the things that I found, because a lot of people ask about balancing the training when my kids were, my kids are young, they're five and seven, but prior to being five, my youngest, it was a lot harder for me to do really long training. I could still get up at four, four thirty, and do a certain amount of training, but it was difficult because the kids required a lot more attention and they're, they are at a stage now where they require less attention. They can get up in the morning, um, or not less attention, less help. They, they can get up in the morning, they can get themselves dressed, they'll get a little snack, and they'll, they'll turn the TV on and whatnot, and then when I finish, I can come in and, and hang out, and, and primarily, I do most of my quality time in the evenings, but I, I do have this fear in the back of my head that it's going to get harder again as they get a little older and they, uh, they have more events and they want to stay up later because the the beauty of my kids right now is they go to bed at eight thirty, and, uh, they sleep in till six, seven o'clock. Um, and that fear of when they want to stay up till 10 or later, uh, they're going to be tucking me into bed and their mom is probably going to be the one staying up with them. But I do have a fear, but I do, I do definitely see that as your kids get older now, right? You have, you have a lot more time and. And, and that's a big benefit. So, um, for those, you know, I've had people contact me that have three month old babies, four month old babies. They want to run an ultra and that's even a whole different ball game than me right now, because that is, that is a lot of responsibility and it's hard, right? Your schedule's so intermittent and being woken up and, and things like that. So, well, you have a job. I know you're working. I'll let you say whatever you're going to say, but I don't want to hold you too much longer. I just really want to say thank you, Terry. Um, and, and tell people, you know, he has a ton of knowledge and a ton of experience. So, uh, again, check him out on YouTube. I'll put him in the comments here or in the in the description. It's Terry Runs, or Trey Runs, sorry, T-R-E Runs. And uh, check him out, subscribe. But uh, I really appreciate it. You're going to have to come back on because uh, I'm going to have to pick your brain about Zion when you get back. And and we'll, we'll commiserate on our races.
1: <laughs> sure. So...
0: Okay. Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on this morning, Chris. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, we have, sure, tons to talk about. The one thing I just want people to know is is I'm not an expert on any one category. I don't profess to be. Uh, but I do have you know about seven years of ultra running experience. Uh, back when I started, we didn't have as much YouTube exposure as far as being able to access information and things like that. And I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And one of the things that's enjoyable for me now is, is teaching others and to show them things that they can do to kind of shorten that learning curve. And trail running is such a community and, you know, everybody's out to help each other during the races, off season, whenever. And um, it's just really part of that community is, is getting together and helping each other. Again, I don't think I know it all. I'm not an expert, but if there's something that I can give someone that is a useful tip for them, good for them. And it makes me happy
0: and also I'll give you a plug because when I started doing this, one of the things having a video and audio background, um, I followed other YouTubers and um, more lifestyle vloggers, things like that, for entertainment purposes primarily. Um, but what I noticed was there weren't a lot of really good quality content being created from a visual standpoint. Not not that the 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 knowledge that people these elites things like that were was that was sharing wasn't um, wasn't good or valuable, just the, from a quality standpoint of audio video, it wasn't there. So that was one of the things I wanted to do was make my videos really good. And I I wanted to tell you that you you do a great job on that as well, as far as the quality of your video and the audio and and the editing and stuff like that. And I know, I know there's effort that goes into that and, you know, an extra time. So, uh, yeah, I want to say thank you for for the effort you put in on the quality of your videos as well.
1: Thanks. And that's an area I know absolutely nothing about. And I hope to really, um, progressively make those videos better. I it's something I really struggle with the creative part of it. Um but you know my channel is really geared to beginning runners and beginning ultra runners and um so it's not just about ultras. You know, people who tune into my channel can get tips for running 5Ks and marathons and it's just running in general and and uh, I've been having a lot of fun with the with the YouTube thing. It's the content can be hard to come up with sometimes and it's hard every week to to get something that might be interesting. And I do struggle with that, but, um, so far I've been, I'm
0: enjoying the process, so I don't have any plans to quit anytime soon. Well, cool. Well, uh, well, thank you so much, Terry. I think, uh, episode two, as far as I can tell was a success and I appreciate it. So I'm going to have to have you on here again, like I said, but, uh, Good luck on Zion. I know we're gonna be talking before that, but good luck, and uh, I look forward to to following along. and And uh, I'd love to get out there at some point. It'd be cool to actually show up to your race. It's a week after my race, but it'd be cool to actually show up, uh, uh, be able to break away that weekend, and and drive out there. So, yeah, that would be pretty cool. So, well, you have a great day, and thank you everyone for. Uh, tuning in today. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, leave it in the comments if uh, you like this format, if uh, how it sounded, things like that. Uh, my goal is to do this every week. I've got uh, a good three or four guests already lined up. So one of those is Carl Meltzer. He's going to come on a couple weeks out before the race and I've got some other athletes that are coming on. So again, if you're interested in coming on, you know shoot me a note. Go to my website, which is CJ. CJAYE.COM. SEND ME A NOTE. uh, GIVE ME SOME BACKGROUND INFORMATION. um, I LIKE HAVING VIEWERS ON BECAUSE I LIKE GETTING THE BACKGROUND STORY. Uh, I DON'T WANT TO JUST HAVE ELITES AND THINGS ON LIKE THAT. Uh, BUT AS FAR AS WHERE YOU CAN FIND ME, YOU CAN. I LOVE CONNECTING WITH FOLKS. I'M ALWAYS TALKING TO PEOPLE ON INSTAGRAM. THEY'RE SENDING ME MESSAGES, TWITTER, THINGS LIKE THAT. I'M PRETTY MUCH CJ MEDIA EVERYWHERE. SO INSTAGRAM, CJ MEDIA, STRAVA. Um, is strava.com slash athletes slash cj media and twitter cj media so follow us there i will update you when the podcast is available on all of the platforms it'll be here really soon so again thank you guys so much and uh thanks for tuning in and we'll do this again next week out trail run